Good evening, beloved. I'm sorry I couldn't be with you this morning. Mary was up and getting ready and twisted her back, and I needed to stay with her for a little while, make sure she was okay. She's doing much better, but still not able to be here this evening, so hopefully she'll be back next Lord's Day. It's always good to be before you. I love nothing more than being with my brother. I think it's the most wonderful gift that God gives us besides his son, is his children, and that we can share in love with one another. As I studied my lesson, I looked at some of the things that Paul had written. And you know, I just love Paul's writings to death. But sometimes I have the hardest time with his bluntness and the message he gives to me and the challenges he presents to me as an individual. In 1 Timothy 2.15, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, but shun profane and vain babbling, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Study the word. When we study, it's not just taking this book and learning what it says. Although difficult, for the most part, it can be easy. We can study it, we can learn it, we can memorize it, we can define it. But when you go to be a doctor, you're studying to be a doctor, you're studying to be a lawyer. It's not just book work, you have practical application. You work in the ER, you work in the OR, you work with patients and you do various different things and you work your way through becoming that doctor or lawyer or whatever it is you're studying to do. Second Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse five. When we do these studies, when we go through school, we have exams. We're tested. They look at what we know. They look at what we can do. And they evaluate us. In 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, Paul admonishes us to examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And I started to leave it at that, and I thought, well, wait a minute, we're not reprobates. Well. We shouldn't be. So I had to include verse 6. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. So we're not. But the message he gives is to examine ourselves, to look closely at ourselves, to who we are. Genesis 1.1 says, as we all know and are well aware, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in Genesis 2, verse 2, he says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. In between those two verses, he did a lot of stuff. He created a world. He created all the living things. He set things in order. Jason's been teaching our class on Sunday mornings in Genesis, and he's been doing a great job, and I've learned a lot of things, and I'm sure a lot of you that have been attending have too. And I've truly enjoyed it. Jason, you should be commended for the good job you're doing. I know that you put a lot of effort into that, and that benefits each and every one of us. Understand that since that time, for better or for worse, we're all people. No matter where we put ourselves in time, we're in places in life, we're all people. 
the same creation that God gave back then. When we studied in Jason's class, we learned about early days of man, their places in life, their behavior, what they did for a living, how they survived, their spouses, their kids, their adventures in life, and their service or non-service to the Lord God himself. We, too, are created in that same image. We are God's children. That said, I'd like to talk tonight a little bit about us. People. Persons. We understand clearly in the Godhead there are three persons in God. We understand the Trinity. Now, we are nothing like a Trinity, but I look at our, our persons, ourselves, sometimes, as three different people in the same person. That being, we're all individuals. God created each of us through the miracle of birth. We all have a life that we live, things that we do. Then, we're Christians. Same person. Make no differentiation. Same person. But we do things as an individual. We do things as Christians in that person. And then in that same person, we are a member of this body, the Lord's church. All the same person. Three different aspects of our personality and what we do with our lives. We get caught so easily in our daily lives living that day-to-day -day thing that we all do. Or at least I do. I suspect that many of you do too. We live our lives and we don't often realize who we are, where we are, or how we got there. Why, with jobs, kids, houses, cars, responsibility, and all the things in life, at least for me, it's so easy to get lost in where I am and who I am, what I'm doing. Now, I've got a pretty good idea of it, but have you ever thought, said sometimes, gosh, how did I get here so quick? I can't even imagine myself as a man in my 60s. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. Gosh, I'm still a young man. I, I got grandkids. Well, I say I'm a young man. I'm in my 60s. But brethren, here I stand before you, a geezer almost right before your very eyes. And just a moment ago, I was a young man. Just a moment ago. But as many of us older or becoming older know, time doesn't wait for any of us, does it? Doesn't cut us one ounce of slack. But what we do with the time that we have is the most important thing we can do in our lives. Because we utilize our time to study, to work, to do. We take on wives or husbands. We take on jobs, careers. We take on responsibilities in life. And then we take on Christ at some point along the way. And then we have different functions. What we do with our time impacts our lives and the lives of others. Paul says to examine ourselves, to see if we are working within the confines of what Jesus would have us to do and if we would be approved and accepted in his sight and to study in that life to be that. Then I think, are you a good person? Who am I as an individual? Set aside Christianity for a minute. 
set aside the church for a minute. And now I'm just talking about me. And I want you to think about you as the individual. Who are you? What kind of person are you? Because Paul challenges us to do that. Look at ourselves. I think pretty much we all are good people. We work. We pay our taxes. We're generally kind to others, sometimes even generous toward others. Hopefully, well-respected by others. And by respect, I mean the kind of respect that we command by our behavior, not demand like so many of our younger generation, and no offense to the young people, but we see this young generation demand respect, demand respect. No, you can't demand respect. You can only command it by what the things that you do and the things that you say and the goodness that you live in your life. Christmas and New Year's is going to be here in just a short time, just a few days, actually. And the people of the world, for that short time, are going to focus on Christ. Now, let me qualify myself in this. I don't look at Christmas as a religious holiday. I don't see anything in the scriptures that teach celebrating the birth of Christ in December. In actuality, it's probably more likely Christ was born in the springtime, sometime around the Passover, arguably. But we don't have instructions to celebrate Christmas. But brethren, I love Christmas. I like the gifts. I like the family. I, like, I love the food. I'm a food man. I love my grandsons coming to play with me, opening their toys and having a good time, as I'm sure many of you do. But I don't look at it as a religious holiday. But I am very appreciative to the world because even if it's the wrong holiday, if I'll use that term, it's always good when the world is thinking in the direction of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his birth, his death, or whatever aspect they want to think of Jesus. If Jesus is preached, I'm a happy man. And I think that we all should be. Then a few days later, come the New Year's. And what's the typical thing we do on New Year's? We celebrate, 12 o'clock comes, we kiss our spouses or shake our friends' hands or whatever, and we make resolutions, at least traditionally. And I think that's, that can be a pretty good thing. But before considering this year, because I put this lesson particularly today because we have a couple weeks to think about, before New Year's come, I'd like you to make a resolution. Perhaps we could make one for a new you. And by you, I mean me, and hopefully you. And really have a resolution as a goal. And think of, who am I? We as individuals have the ability to be whatever we want and whoever we want to be in life. In the country we live in, we are afforded greater opportunities than anywhere in this world, sometimes for free, sometimes at a cost, but we do have that opportunity. There's a, God that per there's a person that God created through the miracle, the individual you, and I'd like each of us to stop for just a minute and say, who am I? Set aside your spouse, set aside your parents, set aside your friends, who am I? What am I doing with myself these days? Where have I come along in life? What direction am I, am I headed? Are you happy in life? I am. Currently, there's been ups and downs in my life, but right now I'm, I'm at a happy place in my life. 
as I said, I'm in my 60s. I'm thinking about retirement. Mary and I do everything together. We work together. We play together. We pray together all the time. And I can't wait until I can stop doing what I have to do at the 9 to 5. But mine's 9 to 9 to 9 to 9 to 9. I get four hours sleep a day doing the things I do. But I can't wait for that time when I can do what I want instead of what I have to. That's going to be a good time. Are we where we thought we would be at this point in our life? I know at least one or two of you may be retired, thinking about retirement, not too far away. What am I going to do with myself? Have you done what you wanted in this life as an individual? Or do you still have goals? Many of us do. Just because I'm older doesn't mean I don't have goals. There are some things I want to do with the rest of my life as an individual. Before I get too old, I can't before I die. But you have to prepare for those things. Most of us understand that, especially in the economies of today. You have retirement plans that are going under, like mine, I'm a, I've been a Teamster for 40 years. Our retirement plan's great, our benefit package is great, and then the stock market went bad, and then the housing market went bad, and now my retirement isn't looking as good as I thought it would be. <coughs> but I'm making plans. Physically, if you want to do things, you've got to kind of be in shape. Financially, you have to be in shape. Well, you know the things I'm talking about. And most of us make these preparations well ahead of time. And I say to the younger people, hear this old guy. Make your plans now and execute your plan so that when you get older, you'll be prepared. You'll have the equipment and the tools, whether it's finances or abilities or whatever, to have a good life at the end. We all know that Matthew 6.34 says, Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Speaking about verse 25, when you were concerned about what are we going to eat, and what are we going to wear, what are we going to put on our bodies, etc. And much of that, although it contains information about food and clothing, was about trusting God. Trust in Him. And the verse talks about He counts the hair on your head, and He knows every bird in the sky and every feather. We have to trust Him. Paul said in Philippians, the fourth chapter, when he thought about these things in life. Verse 11, he said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard and have nice things. He said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. And I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And of course, verse 13, he said, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. So when we look at our lives as individuals, these are the things we can do and prepare for. And then secondly, I want you to stop for just a minute and think about your life as a Christian. Or perhaps you're not a Christian. Perhaps you've never named the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know you well enough to know that. So I speak generically saying, if you haven't, that's something that needs to be considered. But consider yourself and your Christian life. Most of us have been Christians for a number of years. Some of you I know. I've known Mitch a lot of years. I've known Stuart a lot of years. I've known him for his parents for a long time. Gail and Carl. I knew Gail Converso when she was still Gail, and I forget her maiden name, when she was a 15-year-old girl. And I knew Carl's mother when she was alive. And I know all Carl's siblings. Scotty, I knew 
I used to pick Scott up when he was a little boy. He was this big. That's embarrassing to you and to me, brother. <laughs> but I love his mother, father. I, I, know, I knew his grandmother and grandfather. And that's not boastful, but it is boastful to me because I'm so happy in the Lord that I knew his grandfather. I used to go sit with him in his house when he was old and couldn't get about and talk with him and the things you learn from these old people. I just love old people to death. What a guy. But along the way, what have we done? I'm looking towards the end. Now look, not anytime soon, I hope. Don't get me wrong. But as we look into our lives, where are you as a Christian? And I sincerely mean, where are you, brethren? Consider yourself and your relationship with God. Have you done the things in life that you've wanted to do as a Christian? Have you grown the way you should have? Paul fought the good faith, and when he talked about, I have fought, the good, fought my fight, I have lived the faith, that was his fight. What is our fight as individuals, as Christians? Where are we along the way? And what goals do we have? And oftentimes when we get caught up in that day-to-day -day thing I was talking about before, we forget about goals. We forget about where we are. We can't do that. We have to keep looking. Paul said, I had fought that good place. And when he said that, it was the end of his days. He was on his last leg in life. Yet he was still fighting. Fighting is a good fight, not ugly things. He was still on course, teaching and doing all he could to serve the Lord. So I want you to consider for just a moment where you are along that line. Are you truly doing all that you can to lift your brother the way that Paul did? Do we lift the church and the brethren and expand the kingdom as much as we can? And that leads me into the third portion of the persons I'm talking about. We're an individual. We're a Christian. Now, I want to look at, we're brethren. We are all parts of the body. We're all limbs of the church at Annapolis. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Let me turn there. Chapter 5. At the end of chapter 5, it's all too familiar passage for all of us. For, for when the time came, you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such that have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And I want you to ask yourself, have you exercised that faith and knowledge that you have within and as part of the body? And I would encourage you to study to show yourself approved. So why, you might ask, am I bringing all this in such a way. 
Why am I asking you to examine yourselves, to self-evaluate, to see where we are? Because even in Paul's bluntness, I'm thrilled to death, brethren, to be here at Annapolis. Mary and I worshiped here in the 90s. We know many of you, some new faces. I didn't know Mike. I didn't know Doug. I knew Stuart, his family, but I'm, I'm gaining new brethren, new friends, new loves. And I'm, I'm very excited to be here because when we came, we talked, I said at the men's meeting, the first one I attended, that we're, we see the condition of Annapolis. We see where it's been. We want to help lift and build and make it a much better place. I think we're headed in such a good direction. In the first chapter is a revelation. The seven churches are evaluated for their commitment, for their dedication, for their activities, for their strengths and weaknesses, and their service to the Lord. The churches in Revelation and the church at large consist of a whole bunch of you and me. We're all individuals. We're all Christians. We're all members of the body. I want to encourage us to reach out to one another, to be in and out of each other's homes, to do things with one another. We've, we've begun to do some things with some of you brethren and some of you here. We do some things pretty regularly. And Mary has individually with some of you gals. And I've been encouraged by that and what I've seen and the love that is shown here. It's just such a fine group of people. And I truly believe that this congregation is going to have a banner year in 2016. And I don't say that lightly because I see the things that are happening. I see where the church is. I know where it's been. I know where it's headed. And I see the love and the work and the effort of the people here. And I'm so encouraged by that. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part, hopefully, of the new growth and the changes here. Romans 10 through 12, 10 through 13 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. The strongest bonds that I've had in my life with Christians, and it's even true with some of you right here in this audience tonight, is that we've been in and out of each other's homes, or we've shared meals together, or we've gone and done things together outside the worship service. It is such a heartfelt love that I have for the brethren here. Uh, Jason and I went last week to the range and, and shot our weapons and played for a couple hours. Very simple. Very simple. Nothing to it. But spending that time with him, with him was precious to me. I enjoyed it. I love him dearly, as I do many of you. And I think that if we, and I look at us, as I've said before, the Sunday night crowd is kind of the nucleus of the Annapolis church. So that's why I wanted to present this message, to say, brethren, it's our time. Whether you're youngsters or geezers, and I'll point to me and Mitch, I'll leave you <laughs> No matter what our age is, we have a challenge coming up, and I'm challenging each of us to be all that we can be, as they say in the military. As a Christian, as a member of this body, I want us to exercise our faith. So I see Annapolis as this loving congregation and going good places. And I think that's certainly what the Lord would have us to do, where he would have us to be. So 
I want you to look and see where you are, where you're headed, set some goals, and work and study to show yourself approved unto the Lord, a good workman. And I promise you, if we all do that, this congregation is going to fill up. And we're going to blow the roof off when we sing in this place. And the message will be strong. We're on the rebound. Our numbers are growing. Our contribution is increasing. We're doing more things. And many good things will be happening in short order. But we must prepare for the future as a church. I know that you know, in a very short time we'll be considering elders, perhaps a minister, some, some various different things that we will by necessity have to do with our growth. And I want us to stay on that course, and I want each of us to, to do all that we can. Good enough isn't good enough anymore, brother. We've had to, we, I say we, you guys have been in a lot longer than I have. We've had some very serious struggles. And good enough to get by until we can do better is over. We're growing. We're doing great. And we're going to continue to do great. So I want you to take that on as individuals and as brethren and as members of the church. When we examine ourselves, sometimes it's not a pretty picture. Sometimes it is. We all struggle with life. We all have our weaknesses. I know I sure do. I need your help in prayer, and I would offer mine for you. As we look at who we are as a person, I'm prayerful that you are Christians. If you're not, time's not going to wait for you any more than it did for me. In Acts I believe it's the 26th chapter. Paul talked to King Agrippa. And I love this story because there's so many stories inside the story and so much back game going on that I don't know about. But it's just intriguing to me when I hear this story. King Agrippa, of course, being a king, was a very powerful man who had a lot of knowledge, wealth, power, and all those things we'd all like to have, which are very dangerous to have, by the way. And Paul taught him the gospel. But Agrippa knew some things on his own, just like Paul did before he was a Christian. And when Paul approached Agrippa, he said, King Agrippa, do you not believe the prophets? I know you believe. And I believe when Paul says, I know you believe, Agrippa believed in the prophets. And what did Agrippa say to him? We know the song. Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. Part of my intrigue with that is, I'd like to know the inflection of the speech. Did Agrippa say, oh, Paul, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian? In jest? Or did he say, Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian? Big difference. I don't know what it was. We can't tell that. By reading the scriptures. But I like to toy around with the idea and, and approach it from different perspectives because it helps me in my knowledge and how to deal with those cases when you study with somebody, when you have that opportunity to present it to somebody. You only know. That's why I like the eye to eye thing. I hate text messaging, by the way. I think the phone is so much better than the text message, and in person is even better than the phone because you can't tell the emotion over the text message, and more times than not, it gets screwed up. <laughs> 
Anyway, side note. That's what happened to Agrippa. And I don't know if anybody here is not a Christian, but I don't want you to have Agrippa's answer. If you know, if you know what you need to do to be saved, what in the world are you waiting for? I would encourage you to change that this very day. If you are a Christian, and you do a little self-evaluating, as I have done, I find that I fall short. Perhaps this is the time for that resolution. Good enough ain't good enough anymore. I'm going to do the best I can in all areas, in everything that I do, in my study, in my attitude, in my appearance. I'm a car guy. Any of you guys that know me for this long or come to know me this long will find out that I'm quickly You'll find out I'm a car guy. Always have been since I was this big, and my uncles used to let me drive on the, standing on the seat and turn their steering wheels when I was a kid, when you could get by with such things. Nowadays, they handcuff the uncle for child abuse. And I've had the Corvettes and Mercedes and neat stuff. But when I drive them, I clean them. I take care of them. I maintenance them. I always have them looking their best, operating at their best. Does that make sense? You want that motor to last you as long as it can. You want it to look good when you're driving it. Now that's a little bit of vanity. How about us as people? I want to carry myself the best. I want to do all I can for my brother. I want to lift you up. I want to encourage you. I want to go out to places with you. I want you in my home. I want to be in your home. I think that's what we need to be doing. Because we'll rub together and we'll create a really nice warm in this congregation. And I think we're right there on the brink of it. Have you left your first love? Perhaps a self-examination is in order for all of us. And as you look and think about your life and where you are and where you're headed, I want us all to be headed in the right direction. I appreciate your your time and attention to the things I've had to say tonight. I hope they've been encouraging or at least something to give thought to. And I hope that you would take the time that we have now available to us while we have it, that if you're subject to the invitation of Jesus Christ, that you will take advantage of this time. Come forward and give your heart to the Lord and give me your hand as we stand and as we sing.